0: and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Friday, January the 12th, 2018 at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, we are dealing with rainy weather here on the East Coast in the Northeast, which is a big difference from what we had like a week ago when it was bitter cold. But today, it, Wendy, you're not going to believe this, the temperature almost reached 60 today. That was after being at minus 8 last week.
1: And here in Texas, or at least in Dallas, it's bright, sunny, and frigidly cold. It was 29 (laughs) degrees this morning.
0: (laughs) Which just goes to prove you can never predict what's going to happen in the winter. It's just crazy.
1: That is the truth, absolute truth. And it actually
0: kind of mirrors the topic because the weather is proving you you can't ever be stuck, and that's the topic today. You can't be stuck. The weather doesn't get stuck on, well, it's winter and we're in the northern hemisphere, so it's got to be the north that's cold and the south that's Uh, warm. Uh-uh, not the way the weather sees it.
1: That is very true. Hey, I'm going to uh, flip the tables. Normally, you're the one who starts with this, but I think I will today. Okay. Um, So what is your win for today?
0: Oh, actually, we have a really cool win for the day. Um, We live in an apartment, which means we don't control everything that goes on here, and we have a very old range that is kind of, it's really breaking down. It, I mean, it's gotten to the point now where about the only thing that works on it are the burners and the oven. I mean, all the, the lights don't work, the self-clean doesn't work, nothing works. And it's a, a an apartment complex that's managed by a company that you know, usually tries to do things on, on the cheap and, and doesn't do anything until they're absolutely pushed to well. We got the maintenance guy in and uh, said, you know, we really could use some lights on the stove because if we leave a burner on, we don't even know it's on. I mean, we have to go study the dial to see what does the dial look like. It's saying, and he said, yeah, oh. yeah, that's kind of old. So we're going to give you a brand new range.
2: Oh, you <laughs> <laughs> So James we're getting a brand new stove. Man. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so that was a pretty good win, you know.
1: Yeah, that is a good win. Love yeah, it.
0: I like that one a lot. And and I have Mm -hmm. to say, Louise has been putting out messages about that and trying to think positive about it because, you know, it's frustrating when you're dealing with kitchen equipment that doesn't quite work the way you need it to. Well, it's going to work really well from now on.
2: Yay. Hooray, hooray.
0: How about you? Uh, I think it ble- I believe it's going to be here Monday. It was actually supposed to be here this morning, but they didn't bother to let us know they were going to deliver it, so we weren't here. And it wasn't the maintenance <laughs> guy, so he couldn't let himself in. So it's going to be Monday.
1: <laughs> That's good enough. That's soon enough. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. On the Thank show.
0: you. Oh yeah, yeah, it's exciting. So, how about you? Any wins today?
1: Um, yes, I consider this quite the win. Um, You know, when I went on vacation starting this week for my day job, I said one of the things I really wanted to do was sleep, sleep, and then do some more sleep? Oh,
2: yes.
1: (laughs) Well, I kind of wasn't doing that. I had so many things that just were showing up, and they were all wonderful and delightful, but in a way, energy-consuming. And I guess it was like, at the end of Tuesday, I was so, Tuesday was such a full day for so many huge wins. That by Wednesday, I was zapped. I mean, mm. energy, drain, oh, my God, all I wanted to do was sleep. And then when I woke up, I wanted to take another nap. And so I did. I slept a lot on Wednesday. And um then yesterday, I had my appointment to talk over this potential project. Oh, right. And the guy had called me. Uh, he texted me early in the morning, like 745, and said he all of a sudden came down with a cold, stuffy nose, scratchy throat, and he said, not really in a great space to, like, have a good conversation. And he said, I'm so sorry. We'll need to reschedule. Well, in that moment, of course, I was disappointed that I wasn't going to get to do that, but I was secretly really happy because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to wake up. I didn't want to get dressed. I didn't want to be prepared for a business meeting, and so I, I slept most of yesterday. <laughs> wow. And sometimes, you know, when I keep sleeping, there's this feeling of, oh, my God, am I ever going to get re-? refreshed am I ever going to feel normal again well so this morning you know I normally get up at eight and eight o'clock came and I went I don't want to get up and so I slept till nine and then I went I don't want to get up (laughs) and then about nine thirty, I went I want to wake up and I have to say little by little as the day has been progressing I'm feeling normal and that to me is my that's my win. I feel that's normal. A good one. I feel like Wendy's back in her body. I'm feeling human again. And I guess that two plus days of sleep just did it for me. So, oh, yeah. Yay. Yeah, yay that, for sleep. That can definitely
0: do it. I mean, especially since what you were telling us, you know, earlier this month about how your first of the year stuff was going and how it was really just you know <laughs> nose to the grindstone trying to get through it all. No wonder you needed the sleep. So that's really good stuff.
2: Yeah, because when you need well, to you sleep, know, I, you need to. I
1: it. remember many years ago when I had done this really big costume production in Branson where I designed the costumes and I'm the one who, you know, sourced everything, built them. Built Build is a word in our industry that meant you, I sewed them. Mm-hmm. Um, I also hired people to do stuff. But it was such a nonstop three-month whirlwind where literally by the end I was sleeping maybe two to three hours a night because there was so much to be done that I finally get it all packed. You know, like I had a moving truck to haul the stuff from Dallas to Branson, and then um, I finally packed my car to the gill, and I drove down there, and we did the last-minute dress rehearsals, started the show. when the show was finally done, you know, basically my work was done. Mm Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, I slept for five weeks.
2: Whoa.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I, I the amount of time I was awake during the day might have been eight hours, and it wasn't doing anything. It was like I was a zombie. Yeah. It took about five weeks for my body to finally say, okay, you're back. Everything's good. <laughs> we move on to the next project. So I know what that feels like when my body is hits that point of I'm so drained, there's nothing left.
2: Mm. And...
1: I know what it feels like when I'll, all of a sudden I'm buoyant and I'm like, I'm here, this is me.
2: So, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I always use that situation with that uh, the, the costuming and the thing in Branson so that when I start to feel like, am I ever going to come alive again because I'm, I'm sleeping so much? I tell myself, yes, my body absolutely knows what to do. It knows how to take its refreshing and it'll let me know. When I'm done.
0: <laughs> okay, well, you know that's what what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to be able to get nice, clean signals from your body, so that's good. That's that's good that that happened. Now, I got a question for you. When all this happened, how long ago was that that this happened? Roughly.
1: The thing with the Branson. Yeah. Oh gosh, uh, twenty five years ago.
0: Okay, and were you heavily into the LOA at that point?
1: Oh, not at all. Not at all. Not at okay. All. So here's I an interesting into question. I was development and Tony Robbins, but not Law of Attraction. Oh,
0: okay, all right. So here's the interesting question: Given what we now know that you can't really get stuck, I'm wondering, did you feel stuck at that point?
1: Um, I don't know if I felt stuck. I think I felt afraid. Oh. And and maybe I was afraid because I was stuck in this sleepiness. I'd never experienced that before. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anybody else that that I felt I could talk to because I actually felt kind of embarrassed that I was so tired.
2: Like you shouldn't Um, be.
1: I mean, I stayed in Branson for two weeks with some friends down there because I didn't even trust myself to make the drive home.
2: Ooh, yeah.
1: Because that, that's how sleepy I could get. And right. so I waited till I felt a little more normal. But then once I got home, I kind of rested and slept for another three weeks.
0: Wow, yeah. So you were you were pretty wiped out. Um, and I guess apparently you weren't stuck, so that's good. Because stuck is a is an emotional description really when you think about it when when we say that we're stuck what we really mean is i can't seem to break out of this thought pattern that i'm in right now and it's usually a negative one so i think it's fair to say that it's a it's a negative emotional pattern going on there
1: And, and you know i would say i've had many clients call me because they'll say i just feel stuck in my life either in their life overall or I'm stuck, you know, in my relationship. I'm trying to make some things happen, and I just feel like I'm stuck, and nothing is in motion. Sure. Um, I used to say that a lot about certain things where I felt like I was getting my words now is where I get no traction. I don't see movement, and um, I'd say I feel stuck. But you know how that changed for me. I was actually at an advanced NLP course. Um, I want to say in 2011. And I remember the instructor starting off this one segment of our our education, and he said, all we are is changing.
2: Which is true. And that's
1: just kind of like, that's a weird sentence. All we are is changing? What does that mean? But he went on to describe how, from a scientific perspective, because we're made up of energy, all of our cells are constantly changing some are sloughing off and dying, and others are being, you know, being regenerated to replace them. You know, there's constant fluids moving through our body. And he said, truly, we, as a bo- physical being, we're constantly changing. And, like, I think, what, it takes seven years for your bones to be, I think it's seven years, where, like, the bones you have seven years ago are not the same bones you have now mm. because the cells constantly replenish themselves. Um but then he moved it from the physical body into our emotional being. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how as emotional beings, even though we may get think we're stuck in a thought pattern, he goes, with every circumstance we encounter every day of our life, everything um, a- adjusts and changes who we really are, even at a base emotional level. And he talked about how the brain takes in whatever you've experienced for the day. And like while you're sleeping, um, you know, he had all the words and terms. I just, I don't go to the terms because I don't remember those. <laughs> but basically like during our sleep, um, some of what happened yesterday would have gone into like long-term memory. Some goes into short-term memory. <laughs> some kind of goes into a... It didn't have enough significance to warrant anything in pur- uh, for purposefulness, so it kind of goes into this other category. But he said every night our brain is like re f- going through a refiling system, and that in itself is constant change.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: You know. But then here's here's what I feel like it was an 11 day course, and I came home with one giant takeaway, and it was worth the entire 11 days. Okay. Which is Okay, so let's say you have uh, – let, let's say you're, you're talking to me about something that happened to you years ago and um, it had some significance to you, and you talk about it in full technicolor as you're sharing the story with me, like okay. you would because you talk in full technicolor story. Oh, well, thank
2: you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so let's say we talk about a way that maybe you could see it in a different frame where maybe like i remember yesterday after the show i was talking about some critical stuff with my father so let's say you were talking about how your father had been so critical Mm -hmm. and then i reframed something like i really did in my life where i said well you know maybe your father wasn't being critical to be critical maybe he was really proud of you he just didn't know how to say it because it was never modeled to him
2: Mm -hmm. sure
1: and let's say you go oh my gosh i'd never considered that that is so that's so cool You know, just even thinking about it. I don't feel so much, you know, um, negative stuff towards my dad anymore. Now, here's what happens when you go to sleep. When you go to sleep, all these new thoughts merge with the old thoughts, and the old story that you once told can never be exactly the same again. True. Because it's now been merged with this new thought pattern, or this new, not even pattern, just with this new idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so that helps me understand, and I think this is pretty fascinating, that, like, let's say somebody's been in a car accident, and there's a witness. And for whatever reason, it takes months before this goes to court. Well, you as the witness, you've probably been asked about, you know, what did you see by the policeman at the scene of the crime? Then you went home and you told your friends about it because you're like, ooh, I get to go to court and tell this story. And then you're like planning for it. Oh, I have to get on the stand and tell the judge my side of story. So you've rethought it many times. So let's say you've rethought this story 50 times.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Every single time you retold it, you reintegrated whatever your emotional feelings were at that time and whatever your uh, perception was at that time. And whatever other people added to the story at that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And every single time you retold the story, you change the story. And it is literally impossible to go back and find the purity of what actually happened.
0: That's like the telephone game, right? Where you you have a whole group of people all whispering to each other in a circle. One person whispers a word to the next person and so on and so forth. And by, by the time it gets around the circle, it's completely morphed into something unrecognizable.
1: And so... That helped me understand why he said, all we are is changing, because life is fluid. We're always coming into new circumstances, new thoughts, new people, new perspectives, new emotions, and every time we experience one of those, we actually shift and adjust our memory.
0: So when you add all that up, I mean, you you identified the cells of the body changing. You identified the, the mind basically doing a backup and in the process of doing a backup changing. And then you identified uh-huh. the emotions changing. And you also identified how the way we think of stories changing. So I'm not sure there's anything left. I think it's all changing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is why he said all we are is changing. It's yeah.
0: Like, huh. So that takes no. us now to the, the real question. Why is it that we sometimes feel stuck when we're ch- changing constantly? How can that possibly be that we feel stuck?
1: The a great question.
0: Because so many times we do, and we usually feel stuck in, in, in a negative, a depressed state or an angry state or a fearful state. You, you, you don't hear somebody talking about, you know, I was stuck in a happy state for a week. That's not the way the conversations <laughs> usually go. <laughs> you, know, you say something like that, and people what? say, well, what's your secret? You know?
1: Well, you know when someone says to me, whether it 's a friend, family, or client, you know that they feel stuck um, i 'll ask them questions, and before you know it, they recognize they really weren't stuck. The only thing that was stuck is they forgot to refresh their own viewpoint. they right. forgot to hit refresh to go oh that 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 that's an old." Concept. I, I'm not there anymore. I really have changed.
0: Plus, you could also make yourself stuck by buying into false truths, if you will. And, and I say false truths as opposed to fake news because they're really not the same thing at all. A false truth is something that you bought into that really isn't true. But you bought into it, and, and in buying into it, you, you, you stuck yourself. You, you made yourself stuck. I did that very early on um, before I got into LOA. Um After I had met my wife, actually, but um, I essentially got myself into a belief state that said, you can't change your own emotions, which is not true, but I believed it to be true. And as long as I believed that to be true, by golly, I was stuck. I couldn't move. And when I start reading Abraham or The Secret or whatever, and it's telling me, well, you just got to move your emotional set point. I said, yeah, right. That ain't happen. That's not the way the life works. You can't move your own emotional set point. That's what I thought. So you can get yourself stuck just by having a thought that isn't really true, that, that there's no way to make it true, really.
1: I mean, I suppose in one sense you can say you're stuck, um, because if you believe you're stuck, then you believe you're stuck, and we know that if you believe it, then you are. I just don't believe that that's our reality, um, and we can not shift out of the feeling or the, the state of what we call stuck Very easily, because I believe that we, as humans, truly can never be stuck. But if you are, quote, stuck believing you can be, then obviously that's where you you lay until you get a new thought.
0: That's right. And while you're in that state, because I was there, when you're in that state of believing that you're stuck and you're convincing yourself that you're stuck, and so you continue to believe that you're stuck, you really do feel stuck. Even though the truth is that you could it, un- unstick yourself at any moment, you still feel that way, and it isn't and you until know you start changing. What
1: came taking- to me is that even though you think you're stuck, you are changing. It's just that you're not letting yourself be aware of your unstuckness.
0: Very true. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, th- when you're feeling stuck, all you're focused on is feeling stuck. You don't actually have any energy to focus on anything else except why do I keep feeling stuck? I'm feeling stuck. I'm stuck everything I do. It's like there's nothing I can do to change the situation. And and you're not on any other topic. It's the only topic you're on.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, that's pretty much it right there. Which shows how powerful we are. (laughs) I mean, it takes a lot of power, you know, to to be stuck in an ever-changing universe. That takes a lot of power. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it also, re- it re- actually, this is interesting. I think it takes a lot of resistance.
0: It does, oh, a huge amount.
1: To allow yourself to believe you're stuck. Because yes. if we as humans are naturally expansive and mm-hmm. constantly changing, yep, then to allow yourself to believe the illusion of stuckness requires a lot of resistance to stay in that state.
0: It requires resistance and it requires um Well, it doesn't require not being aware of resistance, but it certainly helps if you're not aware of the resistance because I had that double whammy going on in that I believed I was stuck and when I read about resistance, I couldn't imagine how I had it, so I figured that it wasn't true. (laughs) So I had two false thoughts going on at the same time that I was trying to stick to. The interesting part is, despite the fact that I was really trying very hard and to a certain extent uh, succeeding in staying in the idea that I was stuck, and that uh, there was nothing I could do about it, I still ended up doing something about it. And I think the reason why is you, you just make yourself miserable enough after time, you just try to do anything to try to break it, and once you've broken your own cycle, you break out of it. And when you break out of it, you say, how the heck was I stuck?
1: You know, I'm seeing, as we're talking, I see uh, um, an image of a river flowing. And a river flows because that's the nature of a river. Water flows While that's the, right. water doesn't generally stagnate if it's in a river right but if you if a bunch of beavers went in there and dammed up the river, then all of a sudden it's like the water is moving it's just that it can't move beyond where that dam is, but even the water that is pushing up against the dam it's kind of like it pushes up and then it falls back on itself and it pushes up and it falls back on itself. So in a way, even though the water is not moving to the other side of the dam, the water is still in a constant flow. It's it's moving kind of circularly. Yes. And it can't get beyond a certain point. But it, like even that, it's not really – the water. you can't say that the water is so stuck that there's no motion. It doesn't go stagnant because water has motion to it. Um,
2: That's true. But I I'm mean, just kind of
1: like thinking up different metaphors of how – there's I, I believe you know I don't know that I've heard anyone say this but you know I want to say that all of life is in motion at all times
0: oh yeah and, and it's true of the dam too I mean uh, probably a human hydroelectric dam is going to be better at keeping all the water from from going but uh, if you look at that hydroelectric dam and, and if you've ever looked at the water on the dammed side it at first glance, it can look fairly still, but you look closer and you, like you said, you can see the motion. The motion is there. It's not as dramatic as the water that, that the dam allows to flow off on the edge and flow into like a waterfall kind of situation. Clearly that water is moving a lot faster, but still the dammed up water, it's clearly moving. It, it, it moves slowly, but it moves. So even when you try to slow it down, you're right. You're still moving. You're still making motions. Nevertheless,
1: even an ice cube. The atoms in the ice cube are still moving. You and I might not be able true. to see it with eyeballs.
0: But a micros- microscope can see it. That's true.
1: It's still moving. Well, Everything an is electron moving microscope easy. anyway. <laughs> okay, so here, here's an interesting way of viewing this. So if someone, including ourselves, say, I feel stuck, Right. maybe we could say, it's like in the moment we're like the ice cube, where when we look at it, we, it seems as though there's no motion. But under the surface with a microscope, there is definite motion because the atoms are in motion. Likewise, so are we also in motion, even if we can't find evidence of it in the moment with our eyes.
0: So the first step then that we're identifying in terms of dealing with feeling stuck is to recognize even if everything's moving slowly, it's moving. So we're not as stuck as we might think that we are. And that kind of starts to open up the mind to the possibilities that we need to open up to in order to become unstuck, to feel like we're unstuck. Um, well, and- I want
1: to say that because I told you that my biggest takeaway from that class was that all we are is changing, what that did for me is that anytime I felt lack of motion, lack of um, traction, or I was feeling stuck, I would then remind myself, that's not even true. It's not even possible. So why am I allowing my my thought process to even entertain the idea of stuckness? Because stuckness in itself, and this is how I took it for me, stuckness is not true. Stuckness is false.
2: That's
0: true. And, and, uh, if as you're listening to the broadcast, you're realizing that maybe you're not as stuck as you thought you were, there's a great way to prevent yourself from becoming unstuck. And that is to tell your friends, Hey, there's this great episode going on about not being stuck and how we can't be stuck. Check it out. Cause I'm, I've been listening to it and it's really good. And the way you do that, of course, is through your, your usual methods, whether it be texting or, you know, social media or email or whatever you do, but let some people know because we're trying to get as many people as we can to know about the podcast. And we're finding that when they, subscribe to the podcast, they're listening on a regular basis. They're listening consistently. I mean, on average, the average unique listener is listening to at least half of the podcast every month. So people do want it. And if you share it with your friend, you're actually doing them a favor. So just wanted to insert that about becoming unstuck.
1: That was a great commercial break. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the, but it's true that you do, you do need to have some sense that you can become unstuck from from that stuck position, because you already are in motion. Once you have that sense that the motion is there, then it becomes a lot easier to buy into the idea that you can just, through changing your mind, changing your mindset, you can change that thing that seems to be stuck. And, of course, that does involve, it does involve a little imagination, right? Because you have to be willing to imagine what it's like to be in motion again, to have the the, the desired change happening. So... You do have to have the imagination side. You don't need a lot of it, but you need to have a little bit. Otherwise, you don't know where you're going.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I learned from Tony Robbins many years ago was the the benefit of movement. And literally, if you're sitting still, that might be where you might go, well, I feel stuck. I don't feel like moving. If you just do anything to move, if you move your arm, you can't be in the exact same state as when your arm was sitting on your lap.
2: This is true. that's change. Yeah.
1: If you get up and walk around the house, that's movement. If you walk outside, that's movement. And I do know, I mean, there are lots of ways to create change in our life. Um, You know, moving our body is actually the easiest way you can create change. This is true. You
2: know. Of course, the the trick
0: there is to make sure you're changing it in a way – you know, changing moving your body in a way that you hadn't been moving before. So you're shifting your pattern. You want to change the pattern.
1: Yeah, I guess to me, I, I'm just picturing sitting still doing nothing. So if you do anything by in w- moving your body, you obviously have changed the pattern from total stillness.
0: I mean, it's kind of like sleeping, right? We, we may imagine that when we're asleep, we just, you know, we, we roll over onto one side, we fall asleep and we stay there. But any sleep researcher will tell you that you're, you know, every hour or so you're flipping over to the other side, or you're doing something, you're you're moving something around. So even when you're unconscious, you're still moving. <laughs> well, well if you're,
1: I, if, I know that. Um, I, I was going to say this is quite a while ago. I I'm not a, a a religious walker. Um, like like you love to walk, and as long as the weather is good, you're out there walking. Oh yeah. Um, but I took a, a what is it like a. I don't know if it was a 14-day challenge that Tony Robbins put out about starting the morning with movement, and he had certain things that you wanted to think about, et cetera. And um, I did it for about six weeks. And I even the day I started, it was like 31 degrees. Mm-hmm. So I started on a day it was below freezing. Yeah. And I went out there, and I, I found some miraculous things about the body because for about the first 10 minutes, my thoughts were, I'm cold, I'd rather be in bed, and I can't believe I woke up an hour early to do this. To do this, right. (laughs) But after about 10 minutes, my body started warming up, Yep. and I would unzip my coat because I could feel my inner body starting to get warm. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. it was like the glide in my walk became a little, well, it was looser, it was easier, it wasn't an effort, And because of how I timed it, I really had 25 to 30 minutes of walking, and then I had to get home and get ready to start working. Um, But by the time I was, like, coming back toward the house, I was, like, walking at a good clip, but it didn't feel like it took a lot of work. It's like that's what I had progressed up to. Mm -hmm. And I came Mm -hmm. in the house, and I felt great. And I absolutely loved that feeling. And Mm. so I went from being kind of stuck in non-motion because I really wasn't doing anything to exercise my body to all of a sudden I did it now it didn't here's the weird thing and I if you have thoughts on it I'm totally open to hearing about it um I did it religiously like I said for about six weeks regardless of the weather even when it was raining I went out and I just had weather protective clothing and I still did it and then there came something that um, kind of threw a wrench into my work schedule. I think I was on a trip and I I wasn't at home. I was now at a hotel and so I didn't do it at the hotel. And then when I came home, it's like I, I didn't do it anymore. I kept telling myself I would, but I didn't do it anymore.
0: Yeah, that, I agree. That is actually the most important thing, whether it's walking or any other activity that you decide to take on for the first time. When I first decided to at least try walking on a regular basis to see what would happen. I remember my first walk, it was about 600 feet. And I figured, okay, that, that, that's what I can handle for today. And then the next day I stretched it out. I went out to about a quarter mile. And then the next day it was a half mile. And then pretty soon I was up to a mile and then a mile and a half and two miles. And suddenly two miles wasn't enough and it was up to three, four, five and so forth. Well, obviously that was a really good progression, but I also recognize what you're saying. If you break away from it because of a change in your schedule or something, if you don't have the habit ingrained, you really need to have the habit ingrained. It, it's like having the habit gets you going. It's like I can't wait to do the next walk because I, it's, it's part of my habit. My body just misses it after a time. So what I found that I have to do in order – well, I, what I had to do. I, I don't really have to do it anymore, but I had to do it within like the first year or so. If there was a time coming – where I knew that for this X period of time I wasn't going to be able to get any walks in, I would find alternative ways to get short walks in every day just so that I could keep my hand in, just so that I could keep the habit going, not because I was expecting to get any big exercise benefit out of it. I mean, sometimes it was like go to the local store and walk around the perimeter of the store inside because it was too snowy outside. You know, But at least I kept the habit going. And then when it got back to the good weather and so forth, then I was just hungry to get out there because I still had the habit going. And I think that's probably true for any activity. I mean, if you're a dancer, if you're a walker, if you're a runner, um, if you're a gardener, um, it doesn't matter what it is that you like doing. Whatever it is, if you just keep your hand in to some small degree so you have the the daily habit going, then when the opportunity arises and you can really put the time back in, it's so much easier to slip into it.
1: You know, I I – there are many things because I, I've gone to so many different Tony Robbins events and I so believe in so much of what he talks about. But oftentimes I wonder if I do things because he, quote, gives me the challenge to do it, and I'm really doing it because, one, I like to take challenges, um, but that I didn't really have the mental mindset that maybe he has that started him on it to begin with, let alone kept him going. Mm-hmm. I was doing it because I was taking a challenge.
2: Mm, yeah. You know, which, which and is I okay. do not think that
1: I replaced the challenge idea with why I wanted to do this for me, even right. though, yes, I did feel the benefit and liked it. Um,
2: but you gotta I, want it. I, you ha- you it, have to want it. I, Otherwise, I,
1: didn't, I didn't get the mindset that, like, kept me going.
2: Yeah.
0: If, if you don't have that want it involved, if it's like, if it doesn't really jazz you, you're gonna have a hard time keeping it going, no matter what. You have to want it on some level, whatever it is. I don't care if it's mm-hmm. running, walking, swimming, biking, tennising, whatever it is. If it, you gotta want it on some level. <laughs> is Tennising is that a word? Um, I mean,
2: it is per, now. It is now. <laughs> that's right. It's
0: the word for the day. Tennising. <laughs> it's the adjective that's associated with tennis. Uh, the, um, the 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 whole idea of finding what you love, I think, is at the root of all life experiences. And it's going to especially be be true of of any kind of exercise or activity that you do. If you aren't loving it, you're not going to want to do it under any circumstance for a long period of time. You You can tolerate it for a while. You can kind of talk yourself into it. You can take the challenge. You can do that kind of stuff. But if you don't love it, you're not going to want to stay with it. That's just the nature of things. That's the nature of us beings. So, yeah, I agree. It's really important to find what you love and then do that and just fall in love with it. And then don't allow yourself to... Be distracted by, well, I got to be away on a trip for a month, so I can't do it. You know, keep your hand in while you're away on the trip, just touching it a little bit, because then when you get back, the love takes over. The love drives you to get 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 back out there
2: again.
1: You know, I, I absolutely agree with you because as you're talking, I'm thinking about how, like, I don't like the heat. I know it's ironic living in Texas, but I really, really don't <laughs> I, like the heat. I, I have to ask you um, about
0: that. Why do you live in – no, forget that. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my dad transferred here. I moved here to be with my family, and then I never found a good enough reason to leave. <laughs> oh, there you go.
0: Okay, all right.
1: <laughs> but, you know, the thing I love about Texas is that we have fabulous air conditioning. True. So it more yeah. than makes up for the the horrible heat <laughs> outside. Um, but in the summertime, because, you know, we have – Uh, our lawns are are needing to be mowed for about eight to nine months a year. Mm. Um, There was a time, like right now I have somebody who cuts the lawn for me, but for a long time I was cutting it myself. And, you know, I was working during the week, so the only time I could do it would be on the weekends. And I remember setting the alarm and getting up, which for me was like getting up at 7 in the morning to get out and cut the lawn before the the high heat would come because my lawn is huge. And I – it would take me three hours to cut it, trim it, and then, you know, hit the blower, you know, to get all the grass clippings up back on the lawn. And that process, this is what was fascinating to me, because part of why I don't like walking is because I get overheated, which is why I didn't really mind doing it in the winter. Yeah. (laughs) Because it didn't make me hot.
2: Sure, yeah, especially given Texas weather.
1: I go out to, to mow my lawn, And after I'm mowing it for an hour, you know, it might be 80 degrees outside, which isn't horrendously hot, but when you're constantly in motion, you know, you start getting overheated. And, you know, I'm drinking plenty of water while I'm doing it, but after three hours, I'm exhausted. Oh, yeah. But the the worst part is I'm so hot, I mean so hot, that I literally would sit in my, my living room recliner for an hour with the ceiling fan on me, and it would take an hour for my body to even come down enough in temperature that I could take a shower and have a shower be refreshing. Because if I took a shower immediately upon coming in the house, my inner core temperature was still so hot, I'd come out of the, the tub and I would be drenching in sweat yeah, because right. my body was still hot.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: But, but here's the, the reason I'm telling this story, because I know that having a manicured lawn is such a happy thought to me. I love it when I know I'm making a difference and I get to be part of it and I get my lawn so that it looks really nice. That is what would motivate me to get up at 7 in the morning on a weekend and put myself through that horrendous heat experience because then when it was over, all day long I'd go to my windows and I would just look at how pretty my lawn looked.
2: That's good. And
1: so. I have always noticed about me that I can put myself in a condition that I loathe, such as getting overheated, if I'm not focused on that, but I'm focused on the end result that makes me truly joyful. And having a crisp, manicured lawn allows me to feel truly joyful.
0: I I wish I could honestly say that I have the same experience with lawns, but I do not. (laughs)
1: Well, and that's okay. I I
0: am Um, the the rare male who does not like to sit on the riding mower and ride around the one acre on a lawnmower for forty-five minutes to an hour mowing the lawn. That that's like that's equivalent to me of going to the dentist. It it is about as much fun. And I I have to tell you, when when we left Virginia, we left uh, that house that was on the one-acre lot in Virginia, and when we left it behind and I realized that I could sell the mower and never have to do it again, you know what my reaction was? It was a happy dance. (laughs) I don't want this anymore. Hooray, it's gone. We'll go to an apartment. They can do it. Let them do all the lawn mowing. I'm done.
1: Well, but and the reason I bring up that story is because we're talking, because like I know the title is, you know, about being stuck, but I really would like to move the conversation into how we can move from stuck to unstuck into changing in motion and movement,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. um, I think that's the natural progression of, you don't want to be stuck, you want to be in motion. And, you know, I'm, think, I'm just thinking about my experience when I was mowing the lawn, yeah. how I could motivate myself easily, and I mean really, easily. Because, you know, I don't like to be up early in the morning, and yet I would do something that kind of went contrary to who I am because I knew the end result would be something that would give me great joy. And so as I'm thinking about the six weeks that I was doing my walking because Tony Robbins had this challenge and I was up for it, I didn't have that happy end result that I, I mean, in other words, he didn't like it. helped me understand or create what the result would be. I just took the challenge and I did a well. What do I have to lose? And let's see. Tony thinks it's the most fabulous thing in the world. He's been starting his day this way for like gazillions of years, and let's just see what it will result for me.
2: Which well, goes, that it goes did to have prove a it.
1: positive result, but I never really locked in that feeling of, oh, my gosh, this is the the benefit that I get from it, and this is so worth it to me. Somehow, that didn't really happen. So it's like my thought process, my mindset didn't really change to cause that exercise of, of motion to continue.
0: Yeah, because ultimately what what you were doing there with your comparative example was proving that if you have something associated with the activity that you love, that you enjoy, and in this case it was the result, it wasn't so much the activity, it was the result. Now you have something, uh, you have a reason to go back to it. You have a reason to keep trying to do it because you love it. You love that result. You love that manicured lawn. So, of course, you're going to want to go back. And of course, it's going to be a lot easier to huh, unstuck yourself from the couch and go do the lawn mowing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, you know, it must be something about, I, I do love i love being in the outdoors being a part of it because like when i have trees and bushes to prune oftentimes like i'll go out to my mailbox which is out on the on the curb you know and every day i'll look and I go you know those bushes really could use some trimming and then there's there you know i never set a day when i'm going to trim them it's always that the bushes literally call me really? it's like they're compelling and i'm like Maybe I'll just go get the pruners and I'll just, I just turn, just trim a little bit. I don't have to do it all. Before I know, I've, I pulled out our, my giant dumpster, you know, of a trash can because I'm taking the clippings and putting it in there. And I go from the first bush to the second bush and I have six bushes. And before I know it, I've done them all. I'm sweating profusely. You know, I, I've taken off my jacket. It's like whatever it is. And I, I'm, I've, uh, uh, I've created the environment for me to do a really great job of pruning my bushes. And when it's done, I feel great. And then every day when I go get my mail, I stare at what a beautiful job I did on trimming the bushes. But it's not like I ever said, okay, on Tuesday I'm going to trim the bushes. It happens when I think about it so much that the next logical step is for me to just get the trimmers out and start going at it.
0: Now I have to ask you when the, when the bushes speak to you about getting the trim do they say something like uh just take a couple inches off at, at the grass line but leave everything on top Huh <laughs> like a haircut <laughs>
2: No. <laughs> it's it's not a good
0: thing when you have to explain the joke. When you have to explain the joke, it just proves boy that one just fell dead. It's dead I'm as a so doornail.
1: I was so into like just <laughs> feeling what it feels like when it's like I just want to get after these bushes and start trimming them because there's a, there's a creative element in it as well. Because mm-hmm. you know some people trim bushes where they do it very angler, angularly. Some people do it where they're round, mm-hmm. and I have a combination which is very artful. So it's kind of like they're a square, but I round out all the edges. And I don't use um, like tr- like hedgers or trimmers. I use a literal pruning scissor. And so every little one I do individually. And that is that is so pleasurable to me. That's I great.
0: I love doing it. Yeah. And when you find something like that, man, you got to just keep doing it because anything that brings us joy – well, first of all, it gets us into that, that high-flying disc territory that Abraham talks about. And second of all, it's what makes life desirable. It's what makes life worth living, focusing and doing the stuff that we love doing and doing it as often as possible. Man, is there anything better than that, really? I don't think there is. I think that's it. That's, that's the best life you can do, is doing all the things you love on a regular basis.
2: So I'm
1: thinking about, well, how do we get ourselves to make the changes that we desire to make? And I think we've both kind of said it in our own way, which is when – I'm going to use the word fixate just because that's what's there. If we fixate on something that gives us incredible pleasure and we stay fixated on it, before you know it, you're going to move towards it. Yes. You can't not move. I mean, that's like me in the bushes. I keep fixating on, oh, I want to see those bushes trimmed. They look so much prettier and I have so much fun when I do it. And before I know it, I'm doing it.
0: Which is why focusing on something like that and, and moving towards something that you really enjoy, first of all, you have to identify it. And second of all, the more that you focus on it, like you say, the more that you move to it, all that activity unstucks you. <laughs> unstucks, I know, yeah. isn't really a word, but, but we're on, on stuck and on unstuck and it, unstuck. It makes you unstuck. It, it, it takes away f- from, from that stuck feeling, and you really can't stay stuck anymore just because you have found something that you love. When we're stuck, what we're really saying is, I can't think of anything that I love. I can't think of anything that I'm really enjoying. I can't think of anything that that jazzes me. I can't think of anything that makes me feel good. And when that's happening, what's really happening is we've cut ourselves off from the happy stuff. We cut ourselves off from the best side of ourselves.
1: And, you know, I've been in those places. um, I mean, really, I'd say probably in the last, Four to six months, I I can remember maybe four to six months ago, where I felt from a career perspective kind of stuck. Like there's no motion, and when I think about, well, what do I want to do, it's like there were no thoughts dancing around my head. Um, And so I'll tell you how I got unstuck. I literally said to the universe, I want some motion. And even though I have no idea how I want it, you do, would you kind of play it back to me? Because I know in every moment I have felt non-motion, that was a moment of contrast. I knew that based on Law of Attraction and what Abraham teaches, in the moment I wasn't feeling movement, but I wanted it, what my preference was, was movement. And my preference was oftentimes in something very specific, even if I was personally unaware of it. But I'm like, hey, inner being, you know what all the good stuff is. You know the stuff that jazzes me and gets gets me all loosey-goosey and makes me happy. So could you kind of share that with me again? Because I forgot.
0: Which ties into what you've been talking about the last few days, about how important it is to listen to and have dialogues with your own inner voice. It's something I'm still trying to, to come to terms with myself in terms of how to do it. But I certainly appreciate it because... The more that you can talk to and more importantly listen to whatever signals you're getting, the more likely you're going to recognize that your inner being all along has been telling you, You love bike riding, go bike riding.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're not I mean, hearing it, you know. Sometimes
1: I'd be listening to um an audio by some self help person and they'll talk about something and as they're talking, oh, something sparks for me. I'm like, Ooh, I do love to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Huh, I forgot. I forgot all about that. Um
2: so I can come I outside, at one
1: too. Point, I mean, one point I was like, you know what? I love to crochet. I forgot that I love to crochet. I even have some yarn. And I'd <laughs> just pull out some stuff, and I'd start making an afghan.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm
1: like, but I forgot all about it until somebody reminded me. Um, was- we had? Uh, I think they're kind of all over the country now, these painting parties where you can go with your friends. And, you know, you spend an hour and a half or two hours doing some acrylic painting, you know, with your friends. Do you know what I'm talking about? They call them painting parties.
0: I have no particular experience with it, but it certainly sounds okay. reasonable to me.
1: So a girlfriend of mine, she arranges many of these painting parties, and probably every couple months she'd arrange one. And over time I would go and I'd never played with acrylic paints and so, you know, you you select a picture that the owner of the place, you know, has a whole bunch of different pictures, and you select one and and they'll kind of give you a you know a a miniature instruction and you know like they'll kind of do an outline in chalk so you just kind of it's almost like paint by numbers but i didn't want any help because you know i've been a designer before and so i wanted to kind of test my own artistic abilities Mm -hmm. and i did did about i think i went to four of these and it was a really fascinating experience and i was really enjoying it but i've went i've now done it four times and i keep running into the same wall where I don't really understand shadow, you know, and highlights, and I sure would like to know that. And so that was just kind of in my thoughts. I'd like someone to teach this to me. And I went and Googled one day, and lo and behold, there was an oil painter who was teaching in the town that I'm in right here. And so I started taking some oil painting lessons. And that really opened me up to creativity. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm kind of naturally good at this. Who would have mm-hmm. thought?
2: Because oh, okay. I didn't
1: think I was good at painting. Mm-hmm. And I just had fun with it. And that in itself started opening opening me up creatively. And now I, it's, that was an area I had felt stuck in. It's like it felt like all my creative juices had died. I mean, I once was a costume designer. I was being creative all the time. And then I ended that career, and then I went into the business world, and I felt like all my creativity had kind of like melted away. My house is pretty decorated at this point. I've lived here 10 years, so I've painted all the walls and hung all the pictures. And I'm like, I don't have anything creative to do. And so that what what I came to understand is that when I'm not doing something that's creative, that is one of the things that causes me to feel stuck. Because I'm a naturally creative individual. So as long as I have my hands, I mean, even pruning bushes is a creative experience. But as long as I'm doing something where I'm feeling creative, I don't feel stuck.
0: So if I... So read- I thought
1: that was interesting because that's where I said, hey, universe, help me because I'm feeling really stuck. And these creativity projects started showing up for me. And that loosened me up and took me out of stuckville.
0: So if... I'm reading this correctly, what seems to have happened in your story was you you had two different kinds of stuck that you overcame. One kind was being stuck because you'd kind of forgotten about this activity that you enjoyed, that you previously enjoyed, which I think happens a lot. And then the second kind was and I'm I'm getting the sequence wrong here, but that's okay. The second kind was you you were asking for inspiration, for guidance for you know, give me an idea of something to do, and you were guided to a, a new activity that you had never done before and found a new love.
1: And the interesting thing is that I was asking to get unstuck in my career, but the, how the guidance came to me was it kind of unstuck me in a more of a generalized stuckness at, by opening me back up into more creative endeavors And what that did is eventually started giving me greater creativity about things I could do with my career.
0: So it gave you an indirect answer that ended up in the long run directly addressing the original question you raised, just not the way you expected it to, which is the way these things usually work. Usually the serendipities and synchronicities come in and you could never predict them in in advance, but when you look back on them, you say, oh, now I can see how they're all connected. And yeah, exactly. it really was connected to the one I originally asked about. I forgot about that.
1: But it's like the what came to me actually created creativity in the wholeness of my life, not just in this specific area called career.
0: In other words, you extended it. I,
1: yeah. I mean and that's to me that's kind of the beauty of how the universe works because even though I was asking about career, I have greater expansive Uh, creativity when I think about relationships, when I think about my health, when I think about the radio show, when I think about so many things, I just have, I'm more in tune with my natural creativity Mm -hmm. in, in more than just in the area of career,
0: which makes sense. Because ultimately, as we're finding more and more stuff that we enjoy, well, that's how we become unstuck on, on the first place. And you do this a little bit and pretty soon you recognize you're not stuck anymore. And you're way off the topic that, uh, Walt and Wendy were talking about on Friday because stuck is in the past. But more than that, you're, you're expanding your horizons and you're, and you're discovering new ways to express that, that C word, the creative word, which really is at the root of all of it, isn't it? Because we are at our root. Above everything else, we are creative creatures. We, we live to create. We exist to create. We are creators. And we are, we're also what Abraham calls co-creators. We create with each other. The fact that you found a way to create was, was basically doing exactly what Abraham says that we always do with a new thought anyway. But you were doing it in a big way. You were tremendously expanding your creative horizons. And that's pretty big And stuff even though
1: I have my oil paintings sitting on my work table... Um, and so I see them every day. I actually am not feeling drawn to oil painting right now, even though I have all the supplies, all the paints, all the whatever. Um, and then I go, what's wrong with me? Why, come I, why am I not oil painting? And then I take a step back and I go, maybe it wasn't about I'm going to be painting all the time. That was just a vehicle to get me unstuck,
2: mm. to get me
1: connected to creativity. Right. Because now I feel creative with lots of different things not just with a paint and a brush.
0: Isn't the universe wonderful? Isn't source energy wonderful? It comes up with all these really creative ways to help us with situations like being stuck. And it, and it does it in ways that produce results far beyond what we originally had in mind. It's very but cool stuck stuff.
1: Stuck is, is really just stuck as a state of mind because the essence of who we are is always changing.
0: An interesting word there, state of mind. The idea of state is static. <laughs> That's why they call it state. And if you're in a state, that means you aren't allowing yourself to move. So the next time you're in a state, the next time you're stuck, the next time you're feeling static, you know why. It's because you keep focusing on the same thing about feeling static and in a state and stuck. So pick something else and then put out a request. Okay, I want to do X. I want to you know, achieve X. I want to find X or whatever it is. And then... Take the action. Just do any kind of action. almost doesn't even matter what direction you go in. It's like Joel likes to talk about. You have that the GPS type effect. You, know, you, you start walking in the wrong direction. The universe taps you on the shoulder and says, no, 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 over here, over here. So any kind of action that you start taking helps you get unstuck.
1: Well, you know, another um, little tool or trick that came out of that course that I took where I learned that all we are is changing is we can change how we talk about things with just a slight little tweak on our vocabulary. So if we take um, verbs and add the ING form, ING is always an action in motion. Mm -hmm. So instead of taking a walk, you know, you can talk about, I love walking. Mm -hmm. You know, um, instead of I'm going to paint, I'm going to get involved with painting. But if you add the ING to things and you do it on a regular, consistent basis, that in itself will actually cause all of who you are to be in a greater state of motion.
0: Yeah, I can see that. It's contributing to making it feel like more of an experience than just an abstraction.
1: Right. I mean, because ING is a present word, Mm -hmm. you know, it's present tense, walking, loving, you know, drinking, um, smiling. Those are all things you do. You do in the present, you know.
2: Yeah, sure. Instead of
1: out in the future or in the past, and so that was something that, and I would say I probably still do that a lot when I'm by myself, as I'm very aware of how I think about things in the present tense, you know. And we've always all have heard, like from Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, and I think I had the right author, um, you know. It's like being present is really a great. Uh, <laughs> state of being to be in where you can really feel where you are right now. I mean, it calms us and it grounds us. And one of the ways I helped myself do that was by adding ING to the end of many of my verbs.
0: By the way, if you take that idea of turning something into a moving verb and then expand on that by describing activities and actions that are associated with whatever you're liking or whatever it is you're wanting to be doing or whatever it is you're trying to attract. When you do that, you paint a fuller picture of it. <laughs> to borrow the, the artwork metaphor, you paint a fuller picture, and you, and, it, and the picture becomes a video. The more that we can put detail into our videos, the more that we can imagine a sequence of events and play it out and see ourselves doing it and, and you know, interact with other people in our imaginations and interact with the, whatever the, the things are that are involved in the thing that we're thinking about, Every way that we can turn it into a series of actions makes it much more real. And it also means that we're spending more time on it. You know, We're talking about the 17 seconds and 68 seconds thing. And when you spend more time on it, it's going to be pretty easy to do like a minute, 68 seconds of it. When you do 68 seconds, now it's on its way to manifest. So very powerful stuff. We only have about two minutes left. I want to make sure we get in a word to people to let you know that I'm sorry, I screwed up. <laughs> I've been telling people for the longest time, um, if you have an iPhone, the instructions I've been giving you is right on the money and you're proving it because iPhone users have been subscribing to the podcast like crazy. Not so much the people who use Android phones, Samsung phones and so forth. The numbers are, are not no, nothing. But they're like half the size of the iPhone users, and I've been wondering about wondering about that for a while. Wendy pointed out to me that uh, as a non-iPhone user, I'm not aware of the fact that you can't just go to Google Play and find Ellaway today. I, I didn't know you could do that. You thought you couldn't do that, rather, um, as she pointed out to me privately. First of all. It's not called Google Play on the Samsung or, or other uh, Android phones. It's called the Play Store. It's like, oh, okay, well, I should probably call it the Play Store. Secondly, you actually have to download a, uh, some sort of a podcast software, like Podcast Manager. It's a nice freebie there, a uh, freebie app that you can use. And then once you download that, then you can search on Elway today. And I said, boy, do I feel like an idiot. So – To all those who've been trying and failing to subscribe with your Android phone because you couldn't make hide nor hair sense out of what it was I was talking about, I apologize. Here's the new instructions. You go to your (laughs) Play Store. You download an app that handles podcasts like Podcast Manager, uh, which is a free one. Then you use the Podcast Manager to search on LOA Today, and bang, you got a way to subscribe. It's easy. Now, there is another way.
1: It's LOA Space
0: Today. LOA Space Today, yes. You definitely want to do that. There, there's also a the third option, which works really well even after you have the podcast manager or or some other similar podcast software installed, and that is you can just go to LOAToday.net. At that point, click the link, and boom, you're subscribed. So,
2: Ta-da. yep, there we go.
0: <laughs> um, and uh, we're, we're almost out of time here, but Wendy, if somebody needs some uh, personal assistance, how do they reach you?
1: They can reach me through my website, which is wendydillard.com.
0: Very simple. Wendy, it's been a good week. Let's do it again next week.
1: You got
0: it. All right. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye bye now.